0: Hi, everybody. It's Pete Oliver. Welcome to the Emerge On Purpose podcast. This podcast is for sales reps and managers who want to become better leaders. Each show, we'll talk about a different leadership principle that will help sales reps and managers emerge on purpose. Hi, this is Pete Oliver. Welcome to the Emerge On Purpose podcast. Today, my guest is Brandon Riggins. And Brandon, welcome. Appreciate you being on the podcast today.
1: Thank you. Happy to be here.
0: So I think those of you that have listened to some of the podcasts, you see that we'll we'll invite leaders and we'll talk about different emerging leader topics. And we'll try to help folks that are on the climb avoid some of the mistakes that we made as leaders and and also put them in a position to be proactive with some of those things that we believe are going to make new leaders successful. So that's really the mission of the podcast. And today I have Brandon Riggins on and Brandon is emerging. Okay. So I'm interested in his perspective on how he thinks about that process as he grows in his, in his sales career. But also we had a spontaneous conversation about the word if. And it happens to be the last chapter in my book. And I really appreciated his perspective on it. So I'd like to dive into that with Brandon first. So Brandon, are you okay if we go there?
1: Let's do it. Yep. Cool. Absolutely.
0: Cool. So so tell us a little bit about yourself, Brandon.
1: Well, um, you know, been in sales for six, seven plus years now. Uh, you know, local and native to, to California and Bay Area. So kind of grew up around technology and Pretty immersed in that, um, you know, a- outside of work and, and selling and, th- and things like that. You know, I'm, uh, I am guess hobbies are dog training, really big into fostering and rescuing dogs and, um, you know, kind of training them for fun um, on the side for friends and just people I know.
0: Okay, great, great. So look, we hit the rewind button a little bit? I'd like to know at what point did you decide, yeah, I want to be in sales? Like, how did that happen for you?
1: <laughs> um, it, I you know so I, I majored in finance and economics. So it, you know initially my first job offer was actually uh, you know one of the larger banks out in New York. Um, I rejected that uh, you know because I had an offer for some sales gigs out here in in the Bay Area and kind of wanted to be you know local to family, friends, things of that nature. So I would say that kind of veered me you know here. Uh, but ultimately, I think just um, you kind of heard the the term before, I guess, from some people, you know, gift a gab or, oh, you're a great listener, things like that. I got of that growing up, <laughs> you know, I got that in college. And so it almost seemed like the natural direction for me, like, hey, maybe I should, maybe I should explore this and, and see what I can do with it. Um, and ever since it's been fruitful. So I don't, I don't really have any regrets there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's, that's, it's funny you mentioned listening I'm, I'm not sure that's in the top five of skills that people think about when they think salesperson like, listen
1: listen yeah it, probably not you know I think it should that, be
0: though right it should be but it's it's just not the stereotypical thought process like oh yeah Brandon's a good listener he'll be great at sales like I wish more people would say that I mean, whoever said that to you was pretty clairvoyant on what a good salesperson needs to be
1: yeah so it was actually during a an internship that I had, one of the guys said, man, you're a great listener. Uh, Cause I remembered, you know, something, you know, when I first started the internship um, that I had years and years ago, I actually met the guy that got me the internship that kind of introduced me into sales at um, uh, a restaurant and bar I was working at in, in Los Gatos. And uh, I met him one time, you know, I'm not going to you know say his name or anything like that, but met him one time. And I remembered that he was there for his, his uh, anniversary with his wife. Um, uh, and you know, he's telling me about his kids and things like that. And I remembered his wife and his anniversary as well as his kids' names. And, you know, a year and a half later when he actually got me the internship and I mentioned, Oh, Hey man, happy anniversary. It was around that time. Uh, you know, and how are your kid's doing. I mentioned him by name and he goes, man, you're a good listener. He's like, how did you even know? Like, how did you remember that? How did you listen and know that? that's like, well, what I do.
0: That that makes a gigantic impact on people. When you think about pivotal moments in in our careers and the advice we get from people that end up changing our trajectory, a lot of the times it's because they actually slow down long enough to listen to us and give us good advice. And you know, frankly, I think that's one of those leadership traits that is is. I mean, it's obviously it's big when we're selling because people want to know that they've been listened to and we're not just trying to sell them something. Right, But as a leader, it's the same thing. Like If you have a leader that actually listens to you and remembers things that you say and refers back to them at a later date, mm-hmm. I, I actually think that's an underdeveloped skill for a lot of leaders is not only listening but active listening and leveraging opinions from your people to make decisions.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, in my book, I tell a story about one of my leaders early in my career. His name is Roger King. And he was asking me uh, at that point, uh, my first management job. And that's why I remember this so much. I had no clout in the organization at that point. It's my first leadership role. I'm six months, a year in to the progression. And he's like, Pete, what changes would you make if you could make any? And and I go, I I would consider changing our coverage model for the mid-market. And I, I was ready for it with an answer. And then I articulated why I felt like that that could be the case. Like fast forward six months later, we're at our, our yearly president's club awards dinner. And you know, Roger walks up to me and he goes, Hey Pete, what'd you think those announcements we made today? And I'm like, I loved them. I loved them. I can't, I, I can't believe that we're going to do this mid market model. This is great. And he goes, well, Pete, I listened. And it, it, that just had such a huge impact on me that a leader would listen. And he was like four levels above me. He was, he was the president of the company at the time you know so it it does work in reverse like obviously for you it helped you in your your first internship role but man in in reverse when leaders do it that's pretty awesome
1: yep and you know just taking directive too when you kind of inverse that pete and you don't look at it from a leadership role and you look at it from an emerging leader right listening, you know, it's probably one of the most important things in in an organization, especially in sales, you know, when you're talking to prospects, but also internally, right. You know, just listening to your team, you know, to management, to whatever the initiatives are kind of rolling down to you uh, being able to kind of abide by those and listen and understand and refer back to them. I think makes a big difference.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So tell us the point you're at right now in your career.
1: So um, you know, I'm years in into kind of my career. Um, I've been you know helping kind of you know, grow partnerships and expand you know sales teams for the last yeah six six years ish now. Um, I've had some multiple team lead roles and and kind of now I'm finally getting to the point where I'm expecting the progression and so having conversations internally, uh, you know, and taking on additional um, projects, right? You know, whether it be an additional partner or uh, kind of going above and beyond the standard to make sure that, hey, this is this is where I am, but this is where I want to be. Um, and also having those conversations, because I think as someone that's emerging into leadership, right, a lot of times when you you enter a career, especially in sales, whether it be an STR account executive or renewals manager, whatever it may be, um, I think level setting with your management and letting them know of what your intentions and your goals are are really imperative to your growth. And if you don't state that up front, um, you know, there could be a possibility you're passed over on a promotion. There could be a possibility they don't hand you that additional project.
0: Brennan, that's that's so insightful. And I think if, I mean, if you don't know where you're going, you're going to end up someplace else. And the minute you start telling people about your goals, then they become a part of your plan.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What better person to tell your goals to then leaders in your organization that can help you achieve them. Mm -hmm. I think if, if your next step is somewhat of a secret, then nobody can help you, including your manager. That is a extreme high level best practice. If you want to be a leader, then you need to tell the leaders you want to be a leader.
1: Yep, absolutely. And we we make all those, um, New Year's resolutions, right? Like how many people do that? They write down their goals, you know, for the year, whether it be on a piece of paper, what have you. Do the same thing at work, you know, in in your career, whatever that may be, whether it's sales or something different, you know, and having the conversations with leadership and letting them know, hey, here's my written goals. This is my expectation of what I want to hit for attainment. This is what I, you know, I want to exceed my number by X amount. I want to do X amount of projects. Um, And then also I want to move into a management role or to an enterprise, whatever that may be. Um, for that person. So I think if you, if you set those expectations, not only are you taking responsibility and ownership, but you're now forcing responsibility and ownership onto the leaders in the organization to, to kind of push you and push you in that direction.
0: Absolutely. And that shared responsibility is, is, is part of what allows companies to scale too. If there's, if, if there's known goals that go in both directions from the rep up and from management down and, and, they work together to accomplish those goals together. And that's that's like the ultimate sales culture. That's how companies scale and grow. So that, uh, that's, you know, you made me think about a story. I got that same advice. Like, what do you want to do next from a mentor? I told him, he goes, well, then you probably ought to go tell that leader you want to work for him then. And that guy that I told that to, ended up being the guy that I ended up starting my Sandler franchise with 12 years ago.
1: That's pretty cool. (laughs) So that conversation was eight years prior. Yeah.
0: And if I'm not not sure if I had ever said that, that that would have went down the way that it did. Like if I never went to, to that, his name's George. If I, if I had never gone to George and said, I want to be on your team. Here's why. Here's what I think I need to do. Can you verify that? What else should I be doing? And get, got advice on how I could bridge the gap between where I was and when I'd be ready for that, that, that next gig. And that that did advance, advance. That allowed me to merge into that first leadership role by telling the leadership team that I actually wanted to do it. Like It probably never would have happened if I hadn't done that. So it's really good advice. Thanks for bringing that up. So, look let me ask you so the behavior thing so you're at a place where you're you're about to take that jump across the chasm why do you want to by the way let's let's go attitude for a minute like why is that what you want to do i
1: i you know (laughs) without getting to you know i guess you're my past too much right (laughs) as a a kid or, or what have you but uh You know, briefly on my background, I wasn't um, as fortunate as most kids are. So, you know, kind of grew up a little bit more on the, the poor side of things. And so I think for me, you know, being able to emerge into leadership and kind of kind of show myself. There's also some proofs in the pudding, right? Like, hey, regardless of your background, you're completely capable of getting to this point uh, and, managing, you know, a team or an organization or, you know, a certain vertical, whatever that may be. So for me, I think a, a confidence booster, you know, I think it's something I've wanted for a long time to show that, Hey, I am capable. I am able and also deserving of this. Um, but also I think just making a difference, you know, it's something, you know, when you have certain leadership capabilities, or at least you think you do, right. Um, I think it's it's pretty apparent, you know, to, to not only yourself, but to your team and to the organization that you're kind of built for a certain role. And so I, I feel like I'm at that phase where, OK, I've, you know, I've been learning. Uh, I've been absorbing everything for the last five or six years. Um, I'm ready to take that and transition it and really, you know, take everything that I've learned and some of the principles and tools that have been in my belt and see if I can implement it in other territories with other teammates and just kind of watch that expand and, and help an organization grow.
0: Awesome. I, I appreciate that perspective. It, it it sounds like getting into leadership is is consistent with like some of those whys that drive you and motivate you. Do you feel like? Because I, I think a lot of us get motivated in certain ways, and by going into leadership, it's either going to be consistent with what motivates us, or it could actually end up being a problem.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like
0: if control. Yeah. Motivates us you're going to struggle as a leader until you figure out how to change that dynamic. But if, if recognition motivates you and helping others making a difference, motivates you, then obviously that you'll be able to make a difference with more, more careers than just your own. So that's, that's like, that's a really good motivator if you want to get into leadership, I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited for the next jump. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a challenge too. I'm also at the point in my career where sales is always challenging. Don't get me wrong; it's never a dull moment. But um, I think that's going to provide a, a new, um, a new directive and and really kind of uh, you know force my not only sales acumen to grow, but my leadership acumen to grow. So I'm going to have to figure new things out. Okay,
0: great, great. Okay, so let's switch gears. What prompted this conversation? You know, obviously, other than this, the fact that. That that I respect you and in, in, in your climb and what you're doing, but uh, let's talk about this if word. Let's. I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna set it up like.
1: I guess you don't need to. So you, you know, I think Pete, when you and I had a conversation about it, and we were kind of making some jokes, but I always, I I think you know from what I can remember, really if and you know I told him I'm a finance economics guy, so. Things that we have a tendency to talk about in economics and in finance, when I was, you know, back in the day, was opportunity cost, right? And and when I think of the word "if," I think of an opportunity cost, whether that be beneficial, whether that be detrimental. Um, and so, you know, in, in your sales career, and I guess any career, you know, choosing to um, not take a certain project on, to maybe not do the additional trainings for a particular partner, or to not do an additional call for that customer because you think you've got it locked up, um, you know these are all the what ifs, right? And and these what ifs can either um, put you in a really good direction or or take you in a really bad direction, you know, cause you to lose a sale or you get passed up on a promotion or you know the partner you're working with starts to work with another vendor and and you know now they're crushing it out there. So I I think what ifs can go in so many directions. But when I when I think about the word if, I think in business opportunity cost and and you know if you're not going to put your effort towards something and if if you don't do it what's going to be the result and what's the consequences of your actions
0: okay do you view the if concept because you use the word opportunity cost
1: Mm
0: -hmm. cost to me is a negative
1: Mm -hmm. right yeah
0: but if if you can understand the positive outcome in addition to whatever that opportunity cost is like, could you, could you also view if, as if equals opportunity versus if equals opportunity cost?
1: Yeah. I mean, if could just be opportunity. Yeah. Whether that be positive or negative. And, you know, I think a lot of times there's been, and you know, I can give you some brief examples without diving into my day to day too much, but you know, there's been some, uh, some partners in my, you know, previous roles at different companies that I've maybe passed up on that, you know, this is going to be a lot of effort, a lot of time. I want to spend my effort here. Um, and I think this is going to be more beneficial because maybe you're letting ego get a hold of you or you don't want to put in the extra two hours a week, whatever it may be. Um, and then I've seen those particular partners or that, you know, prospect or whatever it may be kind of flourish and, and take off, uh, kind of leaving you behind. And you're like, what the heck, you know, <laughs> what what did I do here? And so you're right. It doesn't necessarily have to be a cost, but that could have been an opportunity um, to really spend more time and kind of expand your horizons per se to, to kind of grow that, that business anymore. So really spending more time evaluating what's going on before you make that if decision.
0: You know, what's, you know, what's cool about it too, is if, if requires a comma, not a period. (laughs) Yeah. Right. It's like the first part of the sentence. Yeah. So if you can proactively decide what you want the second part of the sentence to be like, that can be a really powerful tool. And and I think a lot of us, because of human nature, we get stuck in our comfort zones and we end up doing what we did yesterday and because it's comfortable and we're trying to avoid fear or we, we, just are used to doing things a certain way. Our brain tells us that's, that's like what's supposed to happen to, to avoid risk and fear and all that. But if you proactively use the word, if you you can start to see what you want the second part of that sentence to sound like, right? Yeah. Which I think it's an extremely powerful tool to like sit there. And, you know, a lot of people talk about being mindful and meditating and, journaling, which all of it's awesome. but I, I think part of that process is being proactive about the word if and then turning that into opportunity and and you're anticipating things you're you're basically going through the process before it happens. you know it's that, that that's your crystal ball, really So I I just love that conversation that we had and I, I wanted to get your input on that. so can so let's just say, Give me give me the second half of this sentence, okay? If I get my first management job.
1: what okay, if I get my first management job to finish the sentence off, uh, I would say, what impact can I make?
0: would love it I have? Okay
1: because I, I, I have great management now. And, you know, and and I've been very fortunate in my career to learn from some really solid individuals um, who have acted as mentors to me and have been, you know, nothing short of impressive. And so, you know, can I impact the organization, the teams, whatever I'm doing, sales, can I impact it even more than them, right? Can we take it to that next level based on what I've learned from them, but also, you know, what I have in my own tool belt that maybe they don't have, you know, can we push it to the next, next level? So, yeah.
0: So you know what I love about the second half of that sentence? It, it shows possibility and not limitation,
1: hmm.
0: right? So if I move to Maui, my business is going to fold, and I'm going to have to go back to Boston with my tail between my legs. Like that shows limitation.
1: Yeah, yeah. You
0: know what I'm. So our mindset plays a gigantic role in how we finish the second sent, the second part of the if sentences that we create. So. It's, it's not like we have to be clairvoyant and like overly optimistic, but we have to be show possibility. So when you say, what's the impact I can make, you're, you're demonstrating possibility, which is really all we can ask for is a positive mindset showing some sort of possibility at the end of that sentence. You know, I think as a leader, that's a great tool for us to use with our people too, is, is to make sure that we're investing part of our intellectual capital on if statements, so that we don't get stuck. And the, the Companies out there, they'll, they'll. I've heard all kinds of rules around this, like invest ten percent of your time to figure out how you can make gigantic, massive action, doubling growth type decisions. You can, Nine, ten, maybe nine out of ten of them won't ever work. But if you invest ten percent of your time on positive if statements, and one of them does work, it's going to have a gigantic impact. It's going to be a good use of time. So, okay, so let's 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 talk about this if thing a little bit more. So, we let's relate it to head trash. Okay, a common Sandler topic, which is negative self talk. Yeah. Right. Can you, Can you give me an example of and we all have it. Okay. Give me a, give me an example of some head trash that starts with those. Give me a sentence, a head trash sentence, starting with the word if.
1: Oh man, a head trash. sentence, Okay. Um, does it, you know, does it have to be related to management or is it just an individual kind of sales role or does it matter? Open to interpretation
0: whatever whatever you want. I don't even care if it's not about work. I just, I just want our audience to hear what head trash sounds like.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, if I am promoted, um, or, or if I'm not promoted, am I even worthy of being here? Am I good enough to get to the next step? If I'm passed over on something like this? Um, that could be a good one. I think you're right. Like this, and I think, and I don't know if this is a sales problem or if this is just an innate people problem, Pete. But I think a lot of us in any facet of business have a tendency to have some some head trash, whether it's kind of limiting beliefs on getting to the next step or um, just limiting beliefs on doing your day to day job and being successful, even at that. Just taking ownership of that. So yeah, you know, if I'm not promoted, um, you know, am I good enough to be here? Or if I don't hit quota, you know you know, can I still apply? Am I deserving of the next steps? Things of that nature.
0: Okay, good. Yeah. You know, if I get promoted, I'm, I'm, I'm going to struggle because I haven't been doing this for 40 years. You know, like things, anything like right. that is head trash. And I think that's one of those situations where your negative self-talk can impact behavior and then you'll, you'll, you'll fail it before you even get started. So I think, as frankly, that's one of the things that that leaders, period, need to do. Not especially emerging leaders, is is figure out what's holding ourselves back, so we can lead from the front. Obviously, but also what's holding our people back, and and by figuring out like where they stand in general with their mindset is great. But that that if tool is is a way to figure that out. Like if if I was to ask you that same. Tell me, give me an if statement related to getting promoted. And, and if you had said something negative, that would have been what we needed to work on. But you didn't. It was about possibility. So now we get to understand what that means. Right? Like impacts. Like, so if I was to ask a follow up question in a way that you answered that, I would ask you, well, Brandon, when you when you say, when you say impacts, what what are you expecting that could look like? And then what could you do to prepare to get ready for that? And you're gonna be ready to go do that because you just had a positive mindset about it. If it was negative, all bets are off until that mindset changes. So love that. Love that. Okay. So let's uh let's wrap it up here, but I, I'm gonna ask you one before I go type question. Okay. So if, if there was a technique, cause you're in the climb, right? You're, you're going up it, a technique. And we already hit a little bit of attitude with if we, we hit a little bit of behavior with making sure your leaders know what your goal setting process is and where you want to go and what you're, what you actually want to do. It's awesome. Can, can you share a, a technique or a strategy that you think has helped you up until this point, or you think will help you as you continue to climb?
1: Yeah. Outside of behavior, attitude, kind of setting expectations or goals with with management, Um, probably just staying ready, you know, and I know that kind of is maybe cliche and you've heard that time and time again, but really just being prepared um, in your day to day. So uh, for me, and this is I don't know if this is a technique per se, but when I start my work day, my house is clean, my desk is clean. You know, I have my cup of coffee, you know, that goes off at 5.45 a.m. automatically and I pour that cup. And so I have – for me, it's my process of like, hey, okay, my day is set up. Everything's done. It needs to get done. Now I'm ready to kind of hit the ground running this morning, whether I'm making calls, whether I'm calling partners, prospects, whatever it may be. Um, So I think just staying ready and kind of consistency is probably the most important thing, you know, because no one wants to see a – you know, just a massive variance from month to month or quarter to quarter. So for me trying to kind of keep myself even keel and, and focus towards that bell curve is, it's where I'm going. So I would say a technique is really just being consistent, consistent in your conversations with management, consistent in your conversations with partners um, and staying ready. So, and I guess that relays to follow up too, in a way, Pete, you know, just making yeah. sure you're always following up on, on what you say. So if you say something, and you, you, I'm gonna get this
0: done. We'll get it done. Love it, Brandon. Appreciate that. It's good perspective, and I'm excited to watch what you do and 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 where you go. And you know, we're here for you, obviously, along the way. Uh, Brandon, it's really been a pleasure. Thanks for joining the Emerge on Purpose podcast, and uh, it was an inspiring conversation to get a sense for what's what's gonna get you to the next level. And I appreciate you sharing your perspective on that. So.
1: Um, yep. Yeah. Thanks, Pete. I appreciate it. You know, you know Your podcast has been great. You know, Doing the trainings with you has been awesome and looking forward to diving into your new book and reading through that.
0: Brandon, appreciate it. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks to you, our listeners. If you would like to support the Emerge On Purpose podcast and help us spread the word, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You can also subscribe to the Emerge On Purpose podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. If you want to reach me, by the way, you can. LinkedIn.com forward slash the word in forward slash Sailfish Peak. That's S-A-L-E-F-I-S-H-P-E.